Welcome to Continued, part of the teaching ministry here at Third Baptist Church. My name is Keith. I'm one of the pastors here, and our aim in this time is to dig deeper from the sermon on Sunday morning, digging deeper into the text, uh, into exegetical issues, historical issues, contextual issues, whatever issues come up that we feel ought to be chased down a little bit further. My name is Adam. I'm also one of the pastors, and Keith and I are going to be having this conversation. So, welcome to Continued. We actually have some biblical clues of who these wise men were. Nebuchadnezzar is trying to find the best of the best of the wise men. Okay, these are the same group of people because he's having these dreams. Uh, I need somebody to interpret these dreams. He's getting frustrated. He's ki- he's he's killing, uh, you know, his own his own wise men because they're not doing they're not doing him uh, the service that he wants. So here's what he says: Okay, to weed out the false wise men, I'm going to bring them in, and whoever can actually tell me my dream and also interpret it, he is the true wise man. And who is the true quote unquote wise man? It's Daniel. And so Daniel ascends in these wise men's eyes as the king of the wise men. And of course, we know that Daniel wasn't looking at the stars in order to gain knowledge. The creator was giving him the knowledge. Welcome to Continued. As we are wrapping up our Christmas series of this podcast, we are we're looking at some of the great traditions and the biblical text that really focuses us in on Jesus and His birth. And and today we're we're talking about one of the uh, the elements that you've probably heard in a song recently as you've been singing the Christmas songs. Uh, I know I've sang along with it. You know, we three kings. And today we're going to talk about some of the misconceptions that that surround who the the Magi are and how they were seeking Jesus. But uh, there's a lot of cultural and traditional things that, that aren't necessarily biblical. Um, but the biblical picture is still rich. And so so let's look at the text. Let's see what uh, the, the Magi are doing and where they come from, who they are, and why are they seeking the, the newly born king. You're right, Adam. When you when you say that there's there's a lot of misconceptions, we could say that more broadly, just about the the, the Christmas scene itself, right? Uh, the the scene in Bethlehem with Mary and Joseph. We certainly have you know kind of a, a cleaned up picture, a romanticized view of what it was actually like. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the paintings, a lot of the uh, a lot of the you know the, the the structures that we put in place. We we replicate these things. Um, you know, in some of the pictures, I'm thinking there's, a, you know, there's a there's this this glow emanating from Jesus, the baby mm-hmm. Jesus, maybe a halo around his head, and um, and as we, you know, we talked about this on Sunday morning in Luke two one through seven, um, that that God, we would expect Him to show off His glory with the birth of His Son. This is the Son of God. We would expect that, but He actually does the complete opposite. So we can we can. We can deduce that there was no halo around uh, yeah. the, the the baby Jesus head. There was no glory glow emanating from him. This was a this was a um, you know you can't even say normal. This wasn't nor- this was lower than normal. This is this is a man and a woman. Um, she has a baby in a cave stable. Lays mm-hmm. him in a feeding trough with hay. Um, you know, foul smelling probably. Um, you know, uh, animals in there could be um, just just sort of you know dark. Damp, 
cold. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. so we certainly uh, you know romanticize uh, yeah. the, the picture of it. In the the world's eyes, this is all happening in obscurity. And yes. when when the world would assume it should be happening in prominence. Yeah. But but it's not in the halo and all that. That's just artistic interpretation. Yeah. Um, but in reality, it's just a woman and a man mm-hmm. with the animals. Yeah. And uh, and yet, this is God's plan. Yeah. So along with that, along with those some of those misconceptions, um, recreating the scene, probably not how it originally was, were would be the this conversation about the wise men. Uh, there, there certainly is a lot of confusion about, you know, who they were, where did they come from, how many were there? You mentioned that, Adam. Um, reminds me of, uh, of a story of this small country Tennessee town that uh, they do the traditional, you know, they set up the nativity scene on the front lawn with the spotlights on it. Uh, this is your, you know, your first Baptist uh, country Tennessee town. A man's driving home from college. Uh, he cuts through this small town on his way home. He drives by First Baptist, and uh, he sees this nativity scene, and he's 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 amazed by it. It's it's really intricate, but he's but he's confused by something. Um, he he looks closer, and and on the wise men on their heads are firemen helmets, hmm. and he's really he's really <laughs> confused by this, as as we would be as well. So he kind of scratches his head. He sits there. He stares at him for a while. Then he says, okay, well, whatever. That's, I guess that's their artistic interpretation, right? <laughs> so he goes, he goes down to Mama Sue's kitchen uh, to grab some dinner. Sit, sitting, at the, sitting at the table, waitress comes. He gives his order. She's walking away. He says, uh, ma'am, excuse me, can, can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure, honey. What is it? Well, I drove by First Baptist here. Yeah, that's my church. Okay, great, great, great. Um, let me ask you a question. Why do the wise men have fireman hats on their head. She kind of paused. She kind of, you know, stepped back a little bit. Kind of a scowl came on her face. She said, well, well boy, haven't you, haven't you read the Bible? <laughs> he said, yeah, of course I have. That's why I'm asking. She, then she, so she whipped the, her little Bible out of her back pocket. She opens it to Matthew and she says, look, it says right here, the wise men came from afar. <laughs> oh, oh, hear the I authentic can, laugh from Adam on that one. I barely laugh at that. <laughs> Came from afar. Came from afar. Got to have the fireman helmet on. So you had to really make it expressly from Tennessee, too, didn't you? I did. I did. Hey, I can do that. I'm a, I'm Tennessee born and bred. So, um, and and um, you know, I had a lot of friends who pronounced fire in in thus manner, far. So, uh, so back to the point. You know, there's there is some confusion about who they were. You know, where they were they coming from a fire or you know who were they? Where did they come from? Well. We actually have some biblical clues of who they were, who these magi were, who these wise men were. Who they were, specifically, they were, they were astrologers. They, they were those who lived in the Far East, um, who, who you know, participated in this, in this occult of, of, of attempting to foresee the future by looking at the stars. And so they, they thought that the, by, the, by the alignment of the stars that the, the gods were telling them something by the way the stars align. You've heard the phrase, the stars aligned. You know, this is, this is the sort of thing. Um, and so these, these men are doing this in the Far East, and they actually have a forefather that showed up in Old Testament Scripture, Numbers 22, 23, and 24, and his name is Balaam. 
B-A-L-A-A-M. Um, I've heard it pronounced Balaam. You know, either, either way, B-A-L-A-A-M. This man is, uh, is an astrologer. He, uh, he is the, uh, the forefather of these wise men. This, this was a wise man. And, uh, and Balak, the king of Moab, is, is, is hearing rumors of this people Israel, these, these Hebrews, by their leader Moses, conquering town after town, and he's, and he's terrified. So what he does is he, he, he says, I need to get the most renowned uh, astrologer, um, uh, prophet, you know, little air quotes, prophet, um, to get him to come over to me and for him to, to pronounce a curse upon the Hebrews so they won't come and attack me. I'm going to ask this astrologer to bless me and curse the people of Israel. So he calls Balaam, the, the, the world-renowned astrologer, the world-renowned wise man, and he says, hey, um, pronounce a curse upon them so that they will stay away from us and bless us. And each time that Balaam attempts to do this, God stops him and intercedes in his mouth, and out of his mouth actually comes blessing. <laughs> so he, instead of cursing the Israelites, he actually blesses the Israelites. And, and uh, you know, Balak is, is saying, what, what in the world, what did I hire you for? You know, interestingly, in his fourth oracle, um, which, is, which is a prophecy, um, Balaam not a Jew, not a Hebrew, not, not a Hebrew prophet, gives forth a, a specific prophecy concerning the future of Israel, specifically concerning the future of a, of a ruler of Israel. This would be in Numbers 24, uh, verse 17. Listen to this. I see him, but not now. I perceive him, but not near. Listen to this. A star will come from Jacob, and a scepter will arise from Israel. He will smash the forehead of Moab and strike down all the Shethites. So, Balaam gives forth this oracle that a star will rise in Jacob, and a ruler, a scepter, which is sort of the instrument of a ruler, will come from Israel, and he, and he will rule, and he will conquer, and he will reign, okay? So, most likely... This is, you know, looking back, you know, the scriptures don't tell this, uh, uh, us this explicitly. We, we can deduce that, you know, his people, these Far Eastern astrologers, would have, would have had copies of Balaam's oracles, okay, of, of his prophecies. They would have, they would have kept these things um, because, you know, he's, he's relating with the God of Israel. He's relating with God's people who is being revealed to be the one true God. So they would, they would hold on to these. Um, and especially when they see, okay, Balaam's oracles concerning the God of Israel came true. So they would, they would, they would have kept it. They would have copied. They would have been passed down. Okay. And, and might even give some incentive to, to hold on to some of the Hebrew scriptures. If they interacted with that, if they had opportunity, they would keep that. They would read that mm -hmm. because that is the people that Balaam was, uh, was speaking about. And so there is some connection between Eastern peoples knowing and having access to some Hebrew scriptures. Mm -hmm. That's right. Furthermore than that, there is another um, fragment of Hebrew scripture that, that we can, again, not saying 100%, but it could very well be in their hands, and that would be the scriptures of Daniel. So Daniel is writing in Babylon. He, he's 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 exiled, right? And what think about his life? What happens to Daniel? Well, Nebuchadnezzar 
is is trying to find the best of the best of the wise men. Okay, these are the same group of people because he's having these dreams. Uh, I need somebody to interpret these dreams. He's getting frustrated. He's ki- he's he's killing uh, you know his own his own wise men because they're not doing they're not doing him uh, the service that he wants. So here's what he says. Okay, to weed out the false wise men. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring them in, and whoever can actually tell me my dream, and also interpret it, he is the true wise man. So so you know, hear that. Um, not only is do they need do they have to interpret the dream, but they actually have to tell Nebuchadnezzar what his dream actually was. Okay, this is like a true test, and the and the wise men come. How, how can, how can we do this? You know, this is impossible. We can't, we can't tell you, you, you tell us the dream and we'll tell you the interpretation. He says, no, the true one will know. And who is the true quote unquote wise man? It's Daniel. And so Daniel ascends in these wise men's eyes as the king of the astrologers, the king of the wise man. I mean, this, this man has knowledge. He has infinite knowledge, does he? Insight beyond himself. Yes. And of course, we know that Daniel wasn't looking at the stars in order to gain knowledge. The creator was giving him the knowledge, right? And so, but, so, so Daniel is sort of a hero um, to these wise men. And then Daniel also writes his, he also writes the scriptures that we know as the book of Daniel in this place as well. And so when you're talking about Babylon, if you're not familiar with Middle Eastern geography, this is east of Jerusalem and, and all that we're talking about in, in mm-hmm. Israel. It is east. And so uh, if we're talking about the the Magi coming from the east, not necessarily saying the Orient, but yeah. east of Israel, which Babylon, Persia, and all that would, yes. would totally count. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so in Daniel's writings are a lot of very interesting things. Um, terrifying things. Daniel sees the end. He sees visions of the end. It gets pretty wild. Yeah, and at one point he's kind of curled up in a fetal position for <laughs> days. You know, I'm just, I'm I'm absolutely terrified at what I've seen. And he's he's seeing God's the, the kingdom of God coming, the ancient of days, and this one like a son of man, of whom his his government there is no end. You know, this this majestic ruler. You know, it's terrifying to him. But also in Daniel's in Daniel's prophecies, there's a timeline of when the Messiah would come in Daniel chapter 9. Um, you may have heard this. It's Daniel's 70 weeks. That's 7-0. Daniel's 70 weeks. And what this is, is actually a timeline. It's, it's God's timeline for when he will restore all of the world. And so what Daniel says is, okay, before us are 70 weeks. In 70 weeks, God will restore. So, we, so, you know, on this side of the cross, this is the new heavens and the new earth after 70 weeks, okay? Now, how do, we, how do we understand these 70 weeks? Because since Daniel wrote this, 70 weeks have long passed, right? Well, the, the, the magi, the wise men, who would have copied these things down, right? This is the king of the wise men, uh, the king of the astrologers. They're writing down his prophecies. Okay, 70 weeks. He says it's divided into seven weeks, then 62 weeks, and then there's a, an extra week at the end, okay? So they, they actually figured out, you know, and, and, and we would assume by the help of God, that the weeks, that, okay, so each day of each week represents a year, so 
and, and, and so Daniel says, let, let me read it for you. Um, uh, Daniel chapter 9, uh, verse 25, after he says 70 weeks, he says, No one understand this from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until an anointed one, the ruler, will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. It will be rebuilt with a plaza and a moat, but in difficult times. Listen to this. After those 62 weeks, so after 69 weeks, after seven weeks, then 62 weeks. After those 62 weeks, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. So this, we actually understand this to be the, the crucifixion. So 69 weeks comes the advent of the Messiah. Um, so whatever 69 times 7 is, they understood that this would be the, the range of the Messiah. When this Daniel says, um, in about 480 years roughly, they, from, from the time Daniel wrote this, would come the Messiah. They, they had somehow, you know, done this and they, and they figured it out. So here, here's what they have. They have Daniel's 69 weeks. They have Balaam's, a star will rise. And they're saying in the first century, okay, we're about in the range here of Daniel's 69 weeks. We're just looking for the star. And what happens when Jesus is born? The star arises. And, and, and actually, historically, you look back at it, it's almost down to the day of, of, Jesus, of Jesus' crucifixion and, 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 uh, and Daniel's uh, prophecy of those 480-some years. You know, um, we, we, we'd have to get exact numbers on that. But, so, but they have a range, right? Okay, it's been about this time. We're looking. Hmm. Wow. So, yeah. That's pretty incredible. So... Uh... One thing that has been used a lot is the different names for these guys. We've been saying the word magi. Uh, you even talked about Daniel being like the king of the magi, the, the premier magi. And, and so in, in culture, popular culture, they talk about the, the kings that are coming to visit Jesus. And, and also we hear that term wise men. And so which term is it? What most accurately describes these guys, magi, kings, wise men? Well, the wise men is the word magi. Mm-hmm. So magi is coming from the Greek word meaning wise men. Yeah. So those two can be synonymous. Uh, Greek word magoi. Magoi. Um, yeah. Which would be, you know, how we would translate wise men. Pl- mm-hmm. Plural. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the oi at the end is plural. Yeah. Or, yeah, you could also translate that with this, you know, magician or astrologer kind of implication. Not always just wise men, but like... You know, there's there's more, a, a range of meaning to that word, mm-hmm. Magoi. Mm-hmm. But but I do think the kings, that interpretation of these these men, that one is mm-hmm. out of line. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, you've got the the primary the the major translations of the Bible, uh, ESV, NASB, NIV, even the King James, all uses the word Magi, and so um, so. The kings is not coming from the biblical text at all. Mm-hmm. It's coming from the song, We Three Kings. It's coming from tradition um, because of the kingly gifts that they're bringing, right. um, but not necessarily from the text. The text never calls them kings. Mm-hmm. That's right. And furthermore than that, there were more than three. Um, yeah, more than likely. certainly more than three. Mm-hmm. Now, now why, why do they say three? Well, well, obviously it is coming from that text that there's three gifts Mm-hmm. And so the assumption would be there's three people bringing three gifts, but that's never explicitly said in the text. There are three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, 
but we're not told the number of the Magi. So when you're setting up the nativity in your home for Christmas and you bring out those little figures, you set up those three wise men, you know, just feel free to bring in some action figures or some toys from your kids. Set those up. You can have as many wise men as you want in that nativity. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, um, Captain America, also known as a, as, as a wise man, right? <laughs> there, but, we go. But, yeah. there we go. Yep. Um, you know, and I, I, I think that when we look at the text, Matthew chapter 2, I think that the text lends itself that it's that it's more than three because listen to what it says. They they come saying, "Where is he who has been born King of the Jews?" Which, by the way, um, uh, why why would they why would so it's a really interesting scene here. They ask, "Where is he?" We're not asking if he's been born. Where is he? And they're speaking to King Herod, King Herod. in Jerusalem. Yes, and he and he's wait wait a minute. I'm the king of the Jews. What are you mm-hmm. talking about? And so he he asked the question. Well, I wonder where I wonder where he's been born. Let me ask the the experts. So the scribes and Pharisees come. He asked the question. Where is where is the Christ to be born? They say immediately Bethlehem, mm-hmm. because that's what Micah five two says. Um, and then it, it, that's in full alignment with all of the scriptures. It, the city of David, uh, Bethlehem, surely the city where David was born, raised and anointed would be the city that brought forth the Messiah. Then Micah prophesies it. Um, and so, it, but, but interestingly, um, you know, the, the wise men had, had uh, Balaam's oracles and, he, and, and they had uh, uh, Daniel's, the book of Daniel, but they didn't have the rest of the Hebrew scriptures probably. At least so, they didn't have Micah. At least they didn't have Micah, so they had yeah. to ask the question. So they go to Jerusalem. Where Where is the Christ to be born? Which would be the obvious yeah, place. exactly. You think, go to the capital. Exactly. Go to where the palace is. This is the king. That's right. And listen, so so back to the, the amount of wise men. Uh, when, uh, when King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. You know, you can just imagine if there's three men coming from a foreign country who walk up and say, hey, where's where's the king of the Jews? Uh, you know, that may be a little disturbing, but, but you know, that could sort of be passed off as, okay, the, you know, who are these guys? You yeah, know, let's write these guys off. Yeah, send, send them away. But, but, but imagine if it's, if it's 12, well, if, it's, if it's... A caravan. Okay, you yeah, know, more I mean, likely they're coming in a caravan, they're going yeah. long distance. Imagine if it's 100, 120 of these men show up at Herod's front door and says, tell us, where is he? <laughs> yeah. this, this would cause a disturbance, right? Mm-hmm. In Herod's heart, and, and, and it says, all Jerusalem. Was, yeah. was, was stirred up by this. So we don't know the number, but we know that it really affected King Herod significantly when they were coming looking for a king that wasn't him and, and that they were noticed in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, weren't, they didn't just slip in three unnoticed travelers. No, there was apparently enough to, to be noticed. The caravan was, was eye-catching, yeah. I, would, I would guess. Yeah, yeah, certainly so. Another... Misconception, Adam, would be when this took place. Exactly. Right? Again, back to my, our, our nativity scene that we're setting up in Christmas. We, we set it all up. We got the little the barn thing, which is probably not correct. You know, we've got Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the sheep and the donkey, and then we put the wise men right in there with them. But the text really doesn't lend itself to ha- having all of these characters at the same moment. Um, yes, Luke chapter 1 and 2, the shepherds are the first to hear about it. The angels tell them of the birth. It is happening right now. And they go and see the brand spanking new baby in the manger. 
But that's not the way Matthew reads. Mm-hmm. Matthew reads in a a, a longer timeline mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. So, so Keith, where do we see the Magi fitting in with the timeline of Jesus's birth? Well, you think about it. If the star arose in Bethlehem the night Jesus was born, it's going to mm-hmm. take him a while to get organized, to figure out, is this actually the star, to get together, and then to make the journey all the way to, to Jerusalem and then to Bethlehem. It's going to take them a while. So we understand, obviously, it wasn't the night of his birth, wasn't the weeks after his birth. But furthermore than that, there's clues in the text about Herod's response um, to this king of the Jews being born. So he says, um, um, after they figure out he's born in Bethlehem, he says, hey, 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 when you find him, come and tell me so I can go and worship him too. Yeah, 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 of course. Um, of course, we know Herod to be, to be lying. He, he wants to go and kill him. So the, the wise men were warned in a dream not to go back and to tell Herod. So they go back to their homeland. Herod's enraged by this. So what does he do? When he realized that they've been outwitted by the wise men, he flew into a rage. He gave orders to massacre all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were what? Who were two years old and under, in keeping with the time he had learned from the wise men. So there, there's, there are hints there that Herod is discerning when the wise men came, how long it took them, how long it took them to get there, that he's... When the star appeared. When the star appeared. Uh, so Jesus was probably about two. So he knows he's probably in between one and two. Mm-hmm. Okay? So to be sure, kill all the, all the boys from two years old and under. So it's, it's, not, it's not the night of his birth mm-hmm. when they come. Um, and, and by the way, it says they went into a house... You know, they found the house that that, uh, and, and that, that Jesus even, was in, not not that, the stable. Exactly, right? that indicates that Mary and Joseph they get to Bethlehem. She's great with child. She's having the baby right then, and and in immediate need, they go to the stable for the birth. Yeah. But they didn't stay there. Right. They right. they settled down. They found found a place to to rent or a house to live in, mm-hmm. and and the the text in Matthew indicates that when the wise men show up, it says they go into the house and they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him and presented their gifts. Yeah. And so so Mary and Joseph have started their little family and and are staying in Bethlehem. Yeah. Yeah. So this is not the night of the birth. This is definitely quite mm-hmm. a bit later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and Mary and Joseph seem to be content in Bethlehem. You know, there a lot of family lives there, so they may have been given some property uh, to live in for a while. They're there um, until they find out what Herod has planned. And Joseph is warned in a dream, warned in a dream. He takes his family down to Egypt. Mm-hmm. And when Herod dies, he returns. And um, he was going to go settle in Judea, which would be, you know, the, the, the Jerusalem, Bethlehem area. Um, but when he found out that Herod's heir is still ruling down there, he went up to Galilee. And so they settled in Nazareth, which would be Jesus' hometown, right? So he was mm-hmm. born in Bethlehem, but his hometown would be Nazareth. That's where Jesus grew up from probably age three to, um, you know, when he starts his ministry. Yeah. And, he, and then he moves his ministry headquarters to Capernaum. Which Nazareth? Is a backwater, know nothing kind of town. It's yeah. not going to gain 
attention. It's a great place for Jesus to grow up and be out of the limelight, out of the the eye of the government. Yeah, all this is intentional. Mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about it quite like that, Adam. Um, that he's that he's in his vulnerable years. Mm-hmm. You know, before he begins his ministry, he's he's in anonymity. You know, yeah. he's 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 uh, a nobody in a no town. So let's let's hone this in. And this is a lot of great knowledge, really trivia almost, good good facts. But what application can we really grab hold of when it comes to the wise men? What what do we bring home with us from this podcast when we read the Christmas text with our own families, with our with our churches? What can we really say is a a application of truth from this story? You know, I think we can look at the wise men um, and and imitate them in in a way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what we're not saying we sh- is we ought we ought not to become astrologers, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, they they you know, nor is the Bible endorsing that. Um, you know, uh, actually, you, you know, we can understand the future if we look at the stars correctly. That's not what the Bible's endorsing. Here, here's what we can learn by them. These these were a people who only had a few pages of the Hebrew scriptures, the 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 rich and the sweet Hebrew scriptures, the words of God. They only had a few fragments of it. Balaam's oracles, and then the book of Daniel. And meanwhile, in in Jerusalem and Judea, where they have the whole council of the mm-hmm. Hebrew scriptures, all of God's word, they, they, and the star is above their heads, <laughs> and they're not noticing it, but the ones who barely have any of the text notice it immediately, and they come, they have full confidence in it. Where is he who has been born? Meanwhile, the ones with the whole counsel of God's word are caught off guard and say, what are you, what are you talking about? What star? Uh, what's special about right now? Are you sure he's been born? So, we, so here's, a modern, here, here's a modern contemporary application for us, for those of us who have the whole counsel of God's word in our hands, multiple copies of it in our hands, in our homes, do we take it for granted? And the answer would be yes. You know, we, we mm-hmm. all do. This is human nature for us. When we have an abundance of something, it no longer becomes special to us. But when we look at the wise men, these men were, were, um, were, were hungry you know, for God's word. They believed it. And what they had their hands on, they, they took in and they were longing and expecting they, there was there was a you know a, a, an attitude of expectation that God the God of Israel is going to fulfill what He said He would fulfill, and they believed and they acted upon it. Meanwhile, those in Jerusalem were caught off guard. In that same line, we should we should be attentive. We should be paying attention to what God is doing around us. We should be reading his word and seeing how it intersects with our life right now, today. And, and when God is moving, we need to move too.